This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hi, welcome to the Finding Holy podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales. I'm author of the book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, and the forthcoming book called A Spacious Life. Here at the Finding Holy podcast, it is our aim to help you connect the dots to the big things that matter to your everyday holy life. You'll get to hear my guests' laundry routines too, because big things matter, but so does the laundry. Here's a bit more about my guest today. Rhonda Spencer Wong is a author of a book that's coming out soon called Raising Resilient Kids, Eight Principles for Bringing Up Healthy, Happy, Successful Children Who Can Overcome Obstacles and Thrive Despite Adversity. In her book, she interviews centenarians who have lived over a hundred years and to try to look at what are the holistic pieces of health that might help us also grow in resilience. So whether or not you are a parent, listen in to this great episode as we begin to parse out what does it look like to grow resilience. Here's my conversation with Rhonda. Friends, I'm excited to have a new guest here on the podcast, Finding Holy Podcast. We are joined today by Rhonda Spencer Wong. She is the author of a book all about parenting and resiliency and we need that so desperately as we come out of the pandemic. So thank you so much, Rhonda, for joining us today. Thank you, Ashley, for having me here. You are so welcome. I saw, you know, in, in book publishing and, you know, as I get these catalogs, it was about building resilient children. I was like, yes, I need that. <laughs> so thank you for writing it. Um, you know, I have four kids and I think that is really top of so many parents' minds right now is how do we build resiliency in our children? So maybe you could tell us about where this kind of came from personally. Like, of course, you're a researcher in public health, and there's so many things that you help us understand about the science and how it all works, but it started as a personal issue. Tell us about that. So um, this this idea to do this research came to me back in 2012. Mm-hmm. I, I am a professor at Loma Linda University, and I was also um, running public health um, programs through the university, teaching other parents um, how to promote health for their kids. And then my youngest, my two at the time were eight and five. My bonus baby had yet to arrive. <laughs> so I was running around, right? Um, really stressed out, uh, dealing with everything I needed to deal with as a faculty, professor, researcher. And I just realized this is not the way I want to be. I knew the toll stress takes on your life because I was training other people about the hidden dangers, right? Mm -hmm. And so we don't don't realize um, what's really going on inside our bodies. But I thought, wait a minute, I need to do something about this. It's not right. And when I look around, so many moms and dads and parents Mm -hmm. at the time were feeling the same, Mm -hmm. this pressure of hurry up, get busy, get working, Mm -hmm. and just survive, do the best you can. And I thought, Mm -hmm. this isn't the way, this isn't the way to do it. 
So yeah. I started digging in the research and found, wait a minute, this is before the pandemic. Parental stress was at an all-time high. Okay, this is now before. This is before. <laughs> before COVID hit. Yeah. Then you realize how busy you really are. But before COVID, I realized it's kind of this hidden phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm, Moms don't mm-hmm. really talk about or share. We got to look like we're collected, especially if you're mm-hmm. public health. Mm-hmm. You don't dare share all your stressors. Yeah. So my husband was diagnosed with high cholesterol, high blood pressure. And uh-huh. my one of my kids was, you know, the pediatrician was telling me, hey, his weight is creeping up there. You need to do something about that. And by the way, you have high cholesterol. I thought, what? You're like, I'm not allowed to. I work in public health. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, and then I realized my secret habit um, because a fast food golden arches developed in my community. And so it was like, hurry through there. You know, if we're eating fries, we're still vegetarian. Yeah. Um, So there's that idea coming to the realization that this is not the way I want to live, though this is what is society norm. This was how it is, right? Not right. So I decided people are coming from all over the world to video my community, right? I live in this fountain of youth, this hot spot Mm -hmm. where people live significantly longer and it's backed by science. So there's articles showing, um, there's articles showing that there's a lot of uh, longevity in this region, right? And so, um, so anyhow, I decided, well, if all these people are coming from around the world, from yeah. Germany and Switzerland and uh, Israel to see, I said, why don't I just go ask them myself what advice they would have for parents with yeah. young kids? And so um, I started on this journey, meeting them, never realized where this would take me. I never realized that the hardships they experienced would be something uh, critically important for today. So when I interviewed the centenarians, I was surprised to see they've been through a minimum of four pandemics themselves, right? One of them is the Spanish flu. Not only that, but then they've been through the Great Depression, which I know there's a lot of concern today of economic uncertainty. So they've Mm -hmm. been through that and really helping us to understand that. Then they've been through childhood trauma. So Mm -hmm. ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. I mean, they had deaths in the family. They had abuse. They had all kinds of of trauma um, that we can learn from today Mm -hmm. for how we can overcome this this kind of stress. Not only Mm -hmm. that, they lived in a time when there wasn't environmental rules for, you know, if you live near pollution source. So what they taught me was really about overcoming this stress and, and trauma in our life and how we can move on and, and do better with our kids. And mm-hmm. the first for integrating it was I had to take my calendar, hold it up to the mirror and mm-hmm. look at my agenda. And it was completely, you know, um, there was not a white space on my agenda, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to design resilience in your life and your family, the first you have to do is get serious and mm-hmm. say, this is not how I want to live. I want to do better. Where is the space in my agenda that allows me to do that? Yeah. Because part of society today, which I really struggle with, and honestly, I think this is, you know, um, it, it's part of our downfall is there's this uh, philosophy of hurry up, get busy. You have no time to think. Just get in line, get with the norm and get going. Yep, for sure. And I think that's the hidden danger. You need time to reflect, to sit back and to say, I want resiliency for my family. I want us to have healthy mind, body, spirit. Mm-hmm. How do we how do we work our schedules in our lives so we are achieving that? 
versus just achieving what society says. Because every day our kids seem like they're running for Congress from the day (laughs) they're born, right? From the day they're born, get their resume, get going. And if you don't have it down by kindergarten, (laughs) man, oh man. And let me tell you one thing as a parent, my youngest is six now, my oldest is 16 and my daughter's 13. And one of the concerns I have now is this coming year, watch out. Um, Mm -hmm. We are going to be bombarded with all kinds of advertisements and pressures from friends and family saying, how are you making up for that year you lost? What are you doing? So we thought we had triple booked our kids' schedules with piano lessons, lacrosse, uh, horseback riding, and chess and everything. We are going to be more triple booked than any airlines on the planet, right? We are going to find ways that we will, okay, we're going to... We're going to put them in every math subject, every chemistry, everything they need to supplement that year we lost. But I say, be very careful. Mm-hmm. Protect protect your schedules. Don't overburden because the level of stress you're going to put on the kids is probably going to do more harm than good. Mm-hmm. We, we have to have time um, to, to implement and, and live more resiliently. Mm, I love that. I think that's such a good, wise word of warning. There's so many things there. But tell us why you think resilience versus like happiness or success is the thing that parents really should be thinking about and modeling and working with their kids. So a lot, and right now in America, especially, but around the world, there's kind of this push for let's go for happiness. Let's go for success, right? Those are, and and in in public health, I want to say those are symptoms. They're not the cause, right? It's like trying to... um, treat a condition without ever getting at the cause. Mm-hmm. You really need to have whole health, mind, body, spirit. Mm. Once those things are in balance, the the outcome is you're more likely to succeed, mm-hmm. right? You're more mm-hmm. likely to have happiness um, versus as a parent trying to target happiness. Right. Well, it's going to change a whole lot. <laughs> that, right? I tried that. And when we have chronic conditions and we're stressed out, mm-hmm. you're not at your best right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're overly tired and anxious and someone asks you to perform and do something, it's not going to be your best, right? And mm-hmm. then you're likely not going to be happy with that. So it's like this cycle. Yeah. So stop trying to go for those and go for the heart of the matter. And let me tell you the parenting strategies today, mm-hmm. helicopter parenting, snowplow parenting, Bubble wrapping parenting. And I have a new one. My favorite is the orange jumpsuit parenting, right? I call this the orange jumpsuit because it's the parents that are willing to go above and beyond and and possibly spend time in jail to try (laughs) to get their children, right? Wow. Mm -hmm. I call it orange jumpsuit. (laughs) And I feel bad for all of these parents because part of it comes from a place of um, they want, they care and concern, right? But it's really an anxiety. Mm-hmm. How am I going to get them? How am I needing them to get where they need to go? Mm-hmm. And um, it's not on the child, it's on the parent. Yeah. Versus I say, and, and let me tell you the stress that puts on parents alone. I can't imagine the stress of feeling like you have to protect your child from everything, do everything, right? It, mm-hmm. The anxiety is r- right, right there. Right. But In our holistic, bodies. Yeah. Right. That's right. Holistic parenting or whole health parenting is more you're going to go with the child, right? Side by side. It's not about protecting them from everything. I don't think that's our place. I think that's God's place, right? Mm -hmm. We teach them a critical life skill of praying, right? Mm -hmm. This is what Mm -hmm. the centenarians taught me. So Mm -hmm. the centenarians came from every faith background. They Mm -hmm. weren't all one faith when they were young. Later on, they became more one. But 
as children, mm-hmm. it wasn't all the same faith. They they believed in God, but different religious know, versions yeah. Yeah, of that. Yeah. <laughs> and the key was learning this lifeline with God, right? So really the centenarians, one of their advice that they gave me or piece of advice they gave me was um, connecting with God, right? Mm-hmm. Going there to God for help with um, from daily to whatever you need. And I think Psalm 118.6 uh, is a great verse I paired with that. Mm-hmm. So whenever I was, you know, worried for my daughter going to school, um, you know, in the pandemic, a lot of parents are probably worried, right? Like yeah. what's going to happen? And so I always say, um, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear, mm-hmm. right? And then for for safety and for t- protection as they're going. And I'm also teaching them, you know, when you're in the middle of a test or before you take a mm-hmm. test, right? My middle daughter has kind of anxiety with tests Mm -hmm. and I help her, right? Using these, you have this tool. Yeah. Um, So just use it. Mm -hmm. I think that's so great too, because you're, you're modeling faith for them to be able to use it themselves versus just kind of freaking out and being like, the world's going to chew them up and spit them out. And so, you know, we have to do X, Y, and Z to make sure that they're okay. But safety is not the goal. It's resilience. I love that. That's right. That's right. And even more, I mean, if safety was the goal, it's very hard because you, you, you're not really prepared for when the storm hits. Right. Right. So if you're equipping them with these life skills, they're better prepared to weather the storm. They're going to come out more successful, more happy than if you weren't promoting resilience in them. And then they're faced with the storm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so true. How do you think the pandemic has really changed family relationships? I mean, we saw articles from the New Yorker and Atlantic about, you know, mothers leaving work and, you know, all of these different things as schools kind of shut down and schooling became virtual and in the home and parents trying to work from home. And and we all experienced it kind of different versions of, of what that might look like. But maybe like a year on out, how do you think the pandemic has strengthened families or hurt families or challenged families or asked us to reevaluate? It's been a mixed bag, very difficult. And I'm one that even last August, I got called up from the local county health department to start Mm -hmm. helping them in the fight against COVID. Mm -hmm. My background is epidemiology. So there's times where um, working as a professor and then trying to help fight COVID and then dealing with my family (laughs) where I was the homeschool mom, right? Yeah, yeah. You're literally become the homeschool parent, though you did not sign up (laughs) for that. So I completely understand. And I think one of the things that we tried to do was, um, again, turning to prayer. When we had 5,000 cases a day, 5,000 people in San Bernardino County would Mm -hmm. get COVID, right? And for contact tracing, you're like standing in an ocean and they're telling you to trace the ocean around yourself. Okay. (laughs) So the main thing I could do was go out and pray for the families that have someone with COVID or they're worried about COVID or, you know, I'm trying to keep our community safe. Um, And then my kids, I enlisted them helping to do that as well. But Mm. I know it, it's hurt families. Some it strengthened them because it forced them to shut down Mm -hmm. for me in the evenings. It got easier because I didn't have, I could focus more on resiliency than all the practices I needed to get my son to. And it made me realize, Mm. Hey, I like this better. Um, I always say dinner time, um, hunger, hunger is not a requirement to come to the family table. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we needed to sit down and and have time to connect Mm -hmm. and for sure to talk about the day and what happened. Um, but I know 
this has been devastating for families, um, whether fracturing them, some families are dissolving, which is very sad, um, whether through divorce or separation, some have lost a parent or a loved one. My own father-in-law got COVID and passed away. Mm -hmm. So I know some families are dealing with um, guilt that you are the one that, you know, brought it, right? And so- Um, so we've had, I, I encourage people, um, forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. No one, no one is wanting this to spread on, on purpose, um, within our families, right? So forgiveness is going to be a huge one coming because many have lost a loved one that they caught it from a family member. Yeah. Um, we, right. We also have, um, people who've lost jobs and homes and how do they, how are they going to weather this storm? So I think the centenarians have great advice, right? It's really, mm-hmm. um, they held strong to the church and really connected to the church um, for, for faith and, and to get past things. And one of the things I want to encourage as the pandemic is going to go like this, it's going to wax and wane. We're going to have hot spots, right? Over this next, probably this next year. Yeah. And many people are scared. We're worrying about the variants that are coming because India is exploding, right? And when you have these cases, all of a sudden the virus is smart. New ones may pop up. So one of the things I say is, you know, um, the family um, coming together more at, at meal times, especially yeah. dinner, saving that space to listen, right? And not everything is a learning moment for the parent or a teachable moment, right? Not That's everything. so good. Thank you for that. Because <laughs> yeah. there's like, oh, I got to use this and wow. make sure I say wow. the right thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I tell the tiger mom inside of me, sit down, take a time out, right? And, and sometimes it's just, you're going to be there. And you're going to listen and really yeah. listen and, and what they have to share and um, what are their, what are their values? What are their priorities? What do they want to do? Some may be graduating high school. Some may be going on to college. They may have fears and they may not know how to express that. So as parents, sometimes just letting them have that space to talk mm. happens at the family table. Right? I love it. I go into like lecture mode in the minivan too. You know? <laughs> yes, yes. It's not good. So I like that. Just, you know, just listen, just, just wait. You don't have to make it mean something every time. God is a genius storyteller. And the evidence of this is threaded throughout scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first mini-series, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. Could you just walk us quickly for our listeners? What are your eight resiliency habits that you talk about in your book? Because I think it'll be helpful, you know, as we're listening and going, okay, I want to do that. What does that look like? You know, what were these characteristics that you found? And then maybe tell us what was like the single most impactful one for your family. Let me share with you. So as I'm going through hearing these stories of the centenarians, one of the things to find out what the eight were, 
I had to tediously transcribe all yeah. of these interviews and then take them and evaluate the data and see what's the most common theme. Yep. And so these eight are what popped up. Um, and the first foremost one is that they spent time in nature yeah. from morning till night. They were farmers, most mm -hmm. of them, right? And so their day really was outside. And I think of how separate we are from nature anymore, right? Like yeah. we may, our time in nature may be walking in the parking lot in the grocery store. Yeah. Or one mom told me, right? One mom told yeah. me, I read about nature in a book at night. <laughs> so he said, no, we have to schedule in. Yeah. And um, so the first is time in nature and active movement outdoors. Mm. So the centenarians, they'd walk an hour to school, some of them multiple hours after doing tremendous chores, milking cows. And mind you, in a time when there's no electricity, right? So it's by hand. <laughs> so I, I started implementing these before the pandemic hit. And let me tell you, I had a garden with a stop when the grocery stores were uh, plum clean, wow. right? Yeah. So I was like, wow, I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm on to something. So I started yeah. giving to the neighbor. Um, so those are two. The next one is simple foods. Mm -hmm. They weren't vegetarian. I want to caution you. So, so yeah. if you think vegetarian, so they weren't vegetarian, but they were so poor that they had to eat what they had on hand, right. which was primarily what they grew in their yard. Right. Okay. So, so and it was at home. Yeah. That was where it was. Right. Mm -hmm. And the only drink of choice was literally the only choice. It was water. Water. Right? Yeah. That's what they had. Yeah. So, and then another principle is um, this resting reset. So their days were very structured because they didn't have electricity. Mm -hmm. So when the lights went out, that was the end of your day. It right, was right. no Netflix. And, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. and we, and, and I'm as guilty mom as any. So that's been one of my habits to break was, you know, if I'm laying by my daughter and I'm going to catch a Netflix update real quick and watch, yeah. you know, it actually makes it more difficult for you to fall asleep. Yep. All the blue screen or blue yes, light. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the time in nature actually helps you reset your circadian rhythm. So rest, very specific. And it was like this, not only in the weekday, but guess what? The weekends too. Yeah. Right. Very structured. Um, another one is um, family and friends camaraderie, right? They really helped each other and helped their community. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a hurried, it was um, what I call... Uh, advanced, it, it was a high level communication, right? Mm -hmm. So seeing and hearing and speaking to one is different than if I send you a text, right? Right. And mm -hmm. let me, a word of, a word of a caution. If you have strained relationships with anybody, texting is one of the surest ways you're going to damage that even further. Okay. Because yeah. many people misconstrue a simple text as something else because there's right. no, you can't see. Yeah. You can so, infer tone of voice yes, and that's yes. not always good. <laughs> that's yeah. right. that's, and they, they, they took the time, right? Mm -hmm. So they had a village. And so one of the things I asked moms around me was, um, you know, do you have a, do you feel like you have a village? Do you, you feel like you're connected? And so many moms were like, who has time? You know, right. we have all of these things we have to get done. And when I, you know, when I'd ask them, they would often share with me, well, I get 200 likes on Facebook or, you know, like that doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like those people who you're going to turn to, because these are the ones in the pandemic mm -hmm. that the centenarians or when some devastation happened, the centenarians turned to. 
Yeah. The next one is um, faith, faith foundation. Mm-hmm. So they not only helped each other and, um, but they had a faith in God and were really a huge part of the community of the church. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So around the world, one of the things I noticed for my, when I'm researching for my book is one of the fastest growing faith communities around the world is no faith at all, mm-hmm. which I mm-hmm. thought is so sad. Yeah. So as this pandemic, you know, um, starts to decline and the churches reopen, um, when families feel ready, I really encourage them to, you know, check it out, go and check out, you know, um, a church. And one of the ways I say is, you know, if you're intimidated, find one that has a playground or something that's going to draw your kids there, right? Yeah, like yeah. what would make them want to go and then just check it out. Go with a friend. So many people, it's going to be like newbies when you're coming back right. anyway. Yeah. So you won't be the only one. Yeah. So what I tell. That's right? great. Yeah. Go with friends. Um, let's see. Positive mindset was one. They didn't have, the centenarians didn't have a happy childhood, um, but they believed that the actions they were taking would help them have good outcomes, would overcome something. Hmm. Let me tell you, these guys went on to do, my centenarian friends not only lived long, they lived um, despite adversity, overcoming so much trauma and then living fulfilling lives. One was a surgeon practicing well into his nineties. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. My husband's great aunt is the oldest right now at 108. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, and these people are vibrant. They were living independently. Many of them at age a hundred, my husband's great aunt driving her car. Um, you know, so, so they lived full and long lives. I call it, um, this community, I call it a resiliency capital. Mm. It's the first I see in the nation and in the world where people show signs of overcoming childhood hardships, mm. right. To live extraordinary long. So backed by science. So, um, and it's just these eight simple things that they were doing, which helped to offset the damage of the life challenges. And they used this all their, you know, some things wax and wane, like seasons in life. Right. Right. But these eight were what um, they they practiced and, um, you know, more on a daily basis than what, not just the weekend, like we right. try to get away. Right. Yeah. Or right. I'm going to be a protective machine Monday to Friday and then <laughs> yes. escape, you know, Saturday yeah. and Sunday. Yeah. That won't build resilience capital. Which of those eight characteristics did you find like most transformative for your own family life? I would have to say the food, the simple foods. For me as a mom, one of the hardest, if you're a career parent, right? And teaching and doing these things, um, one of the hardest is uh, meals, right? And if you don't have plans and you don't have, you know, um, it's not one of the things that you really enjoy. Like I didn't, I don't enjoy (laughs) cooking. Okay. Yeah. So to me, taking their advice, oh, it's laughable. Um, I I probably made burnt toast well, right? That was my, (laughs) that was my dish. Yeah. So um, I learned to cook. And doing these things prior to the pandemic, um, I learned how to clean out my pantry, what should be there, what shouldn't be there. And it's mm. simple things. And I tell people, you don't need a PhD in anything. You don't have to read a label, yeah. right? Go for the things that don't have the label, the bananas, the yeah. wa- you know, yeah. try to get things that don't require, you know, a lot of reading. Right. Right. So um, this is what I did. And I used... Um, my friends would laugh at me because I would get like blue apron or some of these that have pictures of what a dish should look like yeah, and how to cook it. And yeah. so, you know, this is what I did when the pandemic hit, 
I tell you, I was probably one of the most stocked with supplies and I had yeast, which apparently, right. It was hard to get. <laughs> no one can get yeah. yeast anywhere. So yeah. I probably could have had an Amazon company providing yeast to everyone <laughs> Yeah, right? at cost. Yeah. So, you know, these things help. Um, I know for me, it's learning to, um, no food on the fly. We're going to make time. I'm going to protect the fringes. So there's that special hour that you're going to need to mm. have to prepare. Yeah. You got to protect the fringes around that. Mm. One of the things as the pandemic um, declines and you're back, everybody's going back to work is we have to be very careful of saying yes to everything. Yeah. And the one, one of the people that um, I know managers are going to hate me saying this, but one of the people that they go to first is moms, especially mm -hmm. moms with younger kids, because they'll say, you're so capable. You can do all this. And guess what? They like that. We never say no. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they will pile on you. You just go, you know, you can do all this and take it home with you. So one pediatrician just came back to work and she had a one-year-old at home. And I was telling her about this, be careful taking it on. And she said, why didn't I tell her this just a month ago? Because they just asked her to be the head of this department. And she said, yes. And I said, well, oh, what does that yeah. mean? She said, all I, I do now is take paperwork home at the end of the day with me. Mm. So she has tons of paperwork. Right. Yeah. So I said, be careful as parents are going back. Um, be careful of the yeses we say, mm -hmm. because we're saying no to other things like building resiliency in our families. And we're yeah. going to need that. I have a book coming out this October, just about how our limits are good and how they actually are no's, right? Make room for the right yeses. And I think that's so important. Exactly it. Yeah. Right? It takes so much courage though, right? To be able to say no. Um, that's right. But I think you're helping us as listeners and you're helping us as we read your book to begin to say, okay, there's a reason why I'm saying no. And it's like right. to get out of that scarcity mindset that we can often feel as people and as parents to actually engage and say, there's a reason for this. No. And it is for actually the health and well-being of my family for the good of the world too. Not just That's simply right. like I'm trying to create perfect children or something. That's right. That's right. That's right. I never thought of it that way, but you're right. It's that fear of saying no, that you're letting someone down, yeah. you know, and moms don't want to. What would you say, Leno, for those of us who are listening and trying to figure out, okay, what can I do just like as a little first step? Obviously, I recommend your book. It's great. Some really good principles. There's recipes in the back. But what would you suggest as, okay, what's a teeny little baby step I could try right now to begin to build resilience in my children and me as we kind of emerge in this okay. pandemic? Yeah, right. it's too bad. I wish the book was out. It's, it's pre-ordered, but there's oh, right. one because the survey, there's a survey in the book that you take and it compares your life to the centenarian and will tell you mm. what's your weakest, which one is your hardest. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I say, go Fill for out that the survey. Yeah. Go out for that one. And that will tell you where to go. But one of the places for moms I say right now is taking time, taking a moment. Maybe, maybe it's even um, like a half day. If you, if your schedule's jam packed already, you might have to take a sick day, right? Mm -hmm. Cause this, yeah. cause literally you are making yourself sick by continuing off this way. Mm. So I say, take a moment and start to think of um, what is your vision for your family for resiliency, right? How do you see for yourself? What does that look like for your kids, for your ministry, right? Mm -hmm. Your influence. We all should be doing something that influences mm -hmm. um, others for, for God. So looking to see how does that look for you? And then 
Um, are there are there areas on your agenda where you can already start carving out space mm -hmm. for you know if you think of those eight principles, any of them that you would like to experience and do more with your family? Mm -hmm. I also recommend um, sitting down with your your partner, your spouse, and having a conversation. Um, some may be supportive, some not. You know, uh, mm -hmm. I think my husband thought I was crazy when I wanted to change our dietary patterns. Yeah. Right. That was a tough one. Mm -hmm. And I just slowly started doing it. So I ordered Blue Apron and said, once a week, I'm going to prepare. Right. Mm -hmm. So if meals is a hard one for you. Set aside one day a week and you're going to start and have your family gather gather mm -hmm. to the table. Mm -hmm. I think that's so great too. Cause it's one, you're going to like, I'm going to start with one day. It's not like I'm going right. to throw out everything in my pantry and do blue apron no. five days a week, no. you know, but yeah, good. just thinking of one thing. And if you want, if one thing you want to do is increase your time outdoors, just even starting at the end of a day, can you go for a walk one day or something with your, your family or your husband, or mm -hmm. even just a dog? Yeah. Starting there. And then also I recommend finding like mom, like-minded moms or like-minded dads, yep. you know, somebody you can go with and say, Hey, why don't we start figuring out mm. and do it differently? Mm -hmm. Right. Once mm -hmm. this pandemic ends, I, I want to continue on having meals at home or how, mm -hmm. how can we do that together? Yeah. And then we're even practicing some of those, those habits you were talking about, right. About those thicker communities and our church and our neighborhoods face-to-face. Thank you just for your book. I think it comes at such a perfect time as we realize maybe that we haven't been very resilient. Maybe we've, you know, done the Netflix and potato chips for the last year as a way to cope. <laughs> yes, yes. But I think it does help us begin to go, okay, what does this actually look like to build it in our children and ourselves? So thank you so much. Yeah. And so as we conclude, Rhonda, I'd love to hear your laundry routine because my little tagline here is that big things matter, but so does the laundry. So I would love to hear what your laundry routine is. What does that look like for you or your family? <laughs> So along with cooking dinner, laundry is also not one of my favorites. So yeah. we, we dump the laundry out and my husband does it. Nice. My husband does those too. <laughs> so, and he, and um, yeah, that's our, that's our laundry. So he does it. And then um, it ends up magically folded on the stairs. And I, I put to where whatever drawer it needs to go to, but I'm going to show you, you're going to laugh because I'm in his office. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if you can see down here. Nice. Kyle, this is my six year old, um, <laughs> like try on and go through everything. Right. Yeah. It's her, you know, her wardrobe change. <laughs> yeah. So we just try to keep it, um, whatever pile of whoever's laundry is just like an area. And yeah, like there you go. Pile. This is your pile. Everyone has a mountain. <laughs> Another door of a bedroom will be another pile. For right. Someone. Yeah. As long as you can stuff it somewhere, you know, you just you don't right. have to see, or you can, you can make your way to your bed. It's fine. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, we all have to deal with chaos in some way, shape or form, right? <laughs> and the yes. relentlessness of laundry. So that's right. That's yes. right. Every day. And so I think of resiliency every day is like, it's like doing your laundry, right? You have yep. to do it. Yep. You can't live without it. See? Look, you even connected the dots for us. Thank you. I didn't even have to do it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being with us, Rhonda. It's been yeah. really fun. And I heartily recommend your book. And um, we we'll look thank forward you. to seeing it make its way in the world. Thanks. Thank you so much, Ashley. You're welcome.
Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Rhonda. As she is a professor of public health, she has a whole lot to teach us. Her book, Raising Resilient Kids, will be out later this summer. So go ahead and click on over to the show notes and you can go ahead and pre-order it. And just a reminder, this is one of our short little series on the pandemic and relationships. So if you missed last episode, click on over to episode 72, where we talk about marriage and episode 71, where we talk about relationships in the church and how those have changed in the pandemic. I want to leave you friends with one small step as we continue this journey. I love Rhonda's eight habits and they're habits that we need not only as parents, but as people. So I have a very small step for you to do and it's to simply take a 20 minute walk every day this week. Maybe you have a checklist on your refrigerator that helps you do it. Maybe you have an app that pops up and reminds you at lunchtime at your lunch break to take a walk. Maybe you bring along your children and you experience nature right outside your front door. Walking not only helps us connect, but it helps our whole bodies. It helps our mental health and nature can really be one of those things that helps to soothe our frazzled nerves from our technologically and driven and indoor lives. So I hope you'll take a walk. I also wanted to remind you guys, remember I am giving away copies of all of these great books for this short series on how the pandemic has changed relationships. And you don't want to miss getting a free book. All you need to do is rate and review the Finding Holy podcast. That's it. You just need to rate and review on iTunes, the Finding Holy podcast. Please let me know. Tag me at AA Hales on social media so I can find you to send you a great book. Friends, thank you for being here. We need great conversations that help usher us into delight, into wonder, into nuance, into thoughtfulness. And I appreciate you being here. Thanks for listening because big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by Just These Guys, you know? A pastor and a psychologist team up to break down scripture and psychology, empowering you to transform by the renewing of your mind. Listen today at justtheseguys.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just these guys, you know?